It is another edition of Making Money, where we provide a little bit of financial literacy. Ron Hebert is the financial coach, worked in the financial industry for about four decades. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for a long time, love to talk about investing, and we're right back to the basics here now. Second of a two-part show, The Lucky 13 Golden Rules of Investing in Stocks. We went through rules one through six last week, Ron. We're going to start number seven this week. And the, uh, on that list, it's diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Yeah. You want to, if you're buying stock, for example, have your position set at 5%. Maybe limit your exposure to the industry, to a specific industry, to 10%. So, for example, the banking industry at 5%, you might own two banking stocks. In the insurance industry, you might have one or two. Uh, pipeline industry, you might have one or two. Healthcare, you might have a couple of stocks. Uh, transportation, you know, you might have uh, a FedEx and a, and a CN. Entertainment, you might own a Disney and, uh, you know, a Netflix. Or you might own, uh, in media, you might have a Rogers and a Bell or a Telus. You know, and so it, it's easy. I mean, there's lots of industries to pick from. You just don't want to have too much in one. And also, you want to diversify. So, you know, I have about 35% of my portfolio is outside Canada. We're such a small market, and there's so many things we just don't do. We're not good at healthcare. We We have very few global companies other than, you know, two weeks ago we talked about some names like Magna. But there's not a lot of companies that have a worldwide footprint that are the best in the world. We have, we have stuff we're very good at. But, you know, consumer stocks, manufacturing uh, healthcare, technology, there's not a lot of big names. And so if you want to diversify into those, some of those sectors, uh, you've got to get into some of the foreign markets, some of the Asian markets, some of the European markets, some of the American markets, you know, have maybe 30% of your portfolio in fixed income. And then literally make sure that, uh, number eight, you rebalance once or twice a year. In other words, uh, if, if something's gone beyond that range, you either sell it or sell part of it. I mean, if you've got a stock that, frankly, you bought at 2.5%, it's now 7.5% or pushing 10%, uh, scale it back to 5%. In other words, sell some of your profits. The rebalancing is kind of mechanical, but it works. So if you find your foreign exposure has gone to 60% because Canadian markets have gone down, sell off some of your foreign and buy some of the domestic stuff. Or if you find your fixed income, uh, because that's the only thing that's done well, uh, has gone up to 40% from 30%, well, sell it down to 30% and sprinkle your money in those areas that haven't done so well. And that is really the essence of, of selling high and buying low. I uh, It just twigged a, twigged a memory, and Ron, a, a guy that uh, you and I both knew very, very well, uh, the late Bob Lang, who was a radio programmer that we both worked under at one time, I always remember him when I was early in my investing life. He, he didn't create the saying, but it was one of his favorites. Never be afraid to take a profit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's about rebalancing, right? If you've got some profit on the table, take part of it out if you have to. Oh, yeah. And Bob was, uh, was you know, he lived by that uh, principle. He yes, wasn't he afraid. certainly did. <laughs> he was not afraid to take a profit. And, yep. uh, you know, uh, Bob really had a lot of discipline and in the good old days that's one reason why the radio station did so well because uh he he was very good at keeping track of the bottom line 
Yes, he was. <laughs> he I probably it. had the first penny he ever made. I lived it for about 25 years. <laughs> I know all about it. Okay. So never invest what you can't afford to lose. You know, desperation causes people to gamble their futures. And so if you're older and you're thinking, well, I'll just, uh, you don't spin, you don't win. I'm just going to put it all down and I'm either going to be able to afford a retirement because I'm going to get into something that it's really going to win big. But frankly, the chances of winning, uh, especially with high risk stuff, the odds are against you. That's why with a pay, the paydays are so big, you might win one out of 10. And is it worth losing nine times out of 10 for that one possibility? It's like putting all your money on a lottery ticket. So if you're older, think about working longer, think about working part-time, think about downsizing. Uh, there's lots of ways to retire that don't require an all-or-nothing effort. Uh, you know, if you, you do it rationally, uh, there's, ways to, there's ways to retire. I remember a friend of mine who was in an engineering firm in Toronto, and uh, he ended up helping his, his mother who had an illness, and she had uh, treatments that were beyond health care. And so he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on her. He didn't have, at the end of the day, he made a good income, and he saved, but he didn't have enough to retire. He moved out to Elliott Lake, which was a, a mining town that they converted into a retirement community. I mean, a good access to lakes, good recreational facilities. But he could retire there for, at the time, it was about $1,500 a month, and he had more than that. But he was just one of those guys that was smart enough to say, well, you know, I helped my mother. I'm glad I did that. But it's taken away from my ability to, to stay in Toronto and have a large lifestyle. But I can move here and I can have a very good lifestyle. So he ended up downsizing. And guess what? He's doing well even today. There you go. Okay, number 10. The bulls make money. The bears make money. The pigs get slaughtered. <laughs> and and uh, that is one that everyone should remember that saying and put it up on their wall. You know, the pigs are the ones that get greedy. And when you get greedy, uh, as our, our favorite, the legend Bob Lang says, uh, you never have a profit until you take one. So don't be afraid to, to sell if you've got a profit. And don't be greedy. You know, you've got to, the only time you're ever going to have some money in your pocket is if actually you take the time to occasionally take some money off the table. And often that's going to be when you're doing some rebalancing. Okay, we're on to number 11. Think long-term and resist the urge to trade. I, I, this is advice I got from you, my friend. I remember this. Buy this stock and put it in a drawer and forget you own it. Yeah, traders rarely make money. I mean, you look at all the studies. There was a recent study in Brazil where they took 69,000 day traders. And out of these 69,000 day traders, they had literally 1% of them actually even broke even. And it was less than 1% that made a profit. They just trade themselves into oblivion. So buying quality and hanging on for a while doesn't mean you have to stick it in a drawer and never look at it again. But, you know, companies need a business cycle at least to make money. You know, if you're buying them in the trough of a recession, you've got to wait till we've had a few good years so that they can enable their strategy and make some profits. And that might really push the price up, so you might want to take a profit. But the idea that you're going to buy it today and then you're going to sell it this, uh, this morning yet, and by this afternoon you're going to be sitting at Starbucks having a latte, 
that's not how it works. Well, and keep in mind, Ed, and for those of you who are new to investing, every time you buy and sell, there's a cost associated with that, right? That's Those commissions, they can kill you in the end if, you, if, if yeah. you're trading constantly. Yeah, there's fees to buy and fees to sell. And lately, even though those costs have come down, um, people forget that there's middlemen out there. So when you see a stock that there's a buyer at 25.10 and a, and a seller at 25.25, well, at 15% spread, the middleman takes that every time a trade's done. And frankly, it's those the, the spread between bid and ask these days that can take percentages a year off your, off your total return. So trading costs you money because the frictional costs and the costs you don't see are generally the costs that really take the bite out of your portfolio. Okay, I'm curious to hear what the, what the response is to rule number 12. Remember the cockroach rule. I know they're hard to kill. <laughs> well, I remember the first time my wife and I, I was working on my master's degree, and my wife was finishing up her uh, regular degree, and so we rented this small house. And we were in the U.S., and this is the first time that I'd seen a cockroach. And I saw a cockroach come out from under the, the fridge, so I stepped on it. And I figured, well, that's the end of it. Well, within a couple hours, another one came out. I stepped on it. And... And after I'd stepped on about 10 or 12 of these things, I finally decided to go get myself some cockroach spray, and then I pulled out the fridge. And there was hundreds of these things scurrying in every direction. I mean, we finally got rid of them. But you, uh, when there's the old saying that if there's one cockroach, uh, there's probably others. So if you have a company that's having a problem, and the, the, the company have was has, especially if it's transitioned from being business and quality focused and you end up getting a, a, a CEO who really doesn't have experience in the industry, he's a marketing guy or a finance guy, they're far more uh, interested in profits and then you start hearing stories of problems, one problem after another and Boeing is just the poster child for that. You know, they really have, have quality used to be number one, they used to be one of the most admired companies in the world. And now, you know, they had problems with their 737 MAX. Uh, they recently uh, tried to get a plane certified. They sent in the documents, and it was a real insult to them because the, F, the federal... Uh, uh, Aviation Administration? Yeah, FAA sent the documents back and said they weren't complete, you know. And that's something you're just not used to hearing from Boeing, and the fact that Clients are saying that they're about to take delivery of aircraft, and there's uh, there's junk, there's wrappers and stuff in the fuel tanks that were never cleaned out properly. You know that is just really uh, bad, and, and so you have to uh, when you start seeing a problem in a company like Boeing or General Electric was another one that just came out with problem after problem after problem. And so if you see a problem, look around for others because like the cockroach rule, there's generally never just one. Okay, and we move on to the final one on the list here. High levels of debt is a warning. Yeah, my benchmark is I don't like buying companies that can't pay off all their debt in three years with their cash flow. And in a rising rate environment, debt is just a company killer. And we're in an environment now, especially we're looking at maybe six more uh, rate hikes. And bankers can change the rules if companies don't meet their loan covenants. 
And so if, if a bank senses that they have a risk because, you know, they've got a uh, fiduciary risk to all the people that have put deposits in their banks because that's, they lend the money out and that's how you get the interest on your GICs. So uh, they don't mess around. If a company is not meeting its loan covenants, uh, they can pull the rug out under them really quick. And, you know, the old saying, how do you go bankrupt? Slowly, then suddenly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a guy jumping on off a 60-story building. And the first 59.99 floors on the way down, you wonder what the problem is and why people would think that it's so risky. It's just that last bit. And so companies often, you see, you see the problems building. And you go, well, you know, nothing's happened to the stock. They're, they, they, they probably can solve it. But if they got lots of debt, do yourself a favor. Get out. Often that will happen if they made a big acquisition and they got themselves head over heels in debt, uh, buying a uh, company that, that, frankly, doesn't work out. Uh, when you see that happen, hit the road. Because when debt, finally, the rubber hits the road, it happens very, very quickly, and you know you can wake up and the stock is down thirty or forty percent that morning, and there's nobody buying, everybody's selling, so there's no liquidity even to get out. So be really careful. I just can't help sitting here thinking, Ron, when debt is a bad problem with what governments are doing these days. We've talked about that. The debt is absolutely choking, and and the payment schedules are absolutely choking. Uh, that's a big concern that everybody should be paying attention to. And, you know, I mean, I just look at Argentina. I'm not saying Canada's Argentina, but Argentina was uh, was going along just fine for a while. And 40,000 pesos at, at the last bout of inflation they had would have bought you a reasonable house. At the end of 10 years of hyperinflation, 40,000 pesos would be lucky to buy you a silk tie. So when you have hyperinflation, it just destroys the savings. And so, you know, it, and that happens so suddenly, you can just see your wealth disappear. So really, you've got to watch high levels of debt. And uh, whether it's the stock market, it's government bonds, you just have to pay attention. If uh, even in Canada or the U.S. or anywhere, if you see that a country is drowning in debt, there's lots of places you can go where where countries are and businesses are solvent. Move your money out to places that are safe harbors where companies manage their companies well. Okay, and to wrap this up, you had one little note here at the bottom of your list of 13 rules, and, and that is, go ahead. It's often the investors who lose the least over the long haul who end up making the most. So especially when markets are tough, uh, the, the people that will come out of this the least harmed by it are the people that really focus on the risk side of the equation. What can go wrong? So they're not just focused on how much money am I going to make? They're also focused on how much could I potentially lose? And in markets like this, you really want to try and, and take those loopholes or those holes in the dike and plug them up as much as you can to keep your losses minimal so that you're fully intact to play the next up cycle. So you might want to go back to last week's episode and, and listen to these again. The, the lucky 13 golden rules of investing in stocks. Somewhere, I think, in Ron's backyard, he has a piece of granite and he's chiseled these in there. <laughs> well, you know, in 40 years in this business, 
I've officiated over more financial funerals than I care to remember. Uh, I yeah. care to remember because you know having a talk show for thirty years and uh, teaching investment classes and and just all the exposure uh, to the public. Uh, people come up to you all the time and they show you what they have. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see people that have made such huge mistakes. And usually it's these bad markets that really bring out how, how terrible their investment strategies and the rigor that they've had has been and the carelessness which they've had. So that's why we wanted to do this show. Seen so many people, and believe me, it hurts me deeply when I see someone that at 85 they're still working because they blew themselves up just before they retired. So uh, take these rules to heart. If we go through a tough market, uh, bear markets are never fun, but it'll allow you to be intact and come out the other side if you follow these rules. Yeah, these are choppy waters we're in right now, friends. Uh, the world is a strange place. A lot of a lot of issues out there that you have to deal with. So here's some basic information to try to guide you through be able to see the lighthouse and get navigated safely into port. We're back next week with another edition of Making Money. Remember, if you have a show suggestion, send it along to The Financial Coach. You can reach us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca, where you'll find all our episodes, and also at cfcw.com. On behalf of The Financial Coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We will join you again next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.